Solux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. I'm Crispin J. Watson, your host, and today I'm so excited because we have a guest. We have Coriel. She is so amazing. She is such a boss woman. She does her own thing. She's an entrepreneur, and I really want to have her on here because I'm so inspired by her, honestly. So thank you, Coriel, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. And just a little bit of background about her, if you don't know her. Coriel is a former educator who managed to turn her $32,000 teaching salary into a six-figure brand. She's the chief experience officer of WorkPress Slate, an annual four-day empowerment, and her goal is to help women make everyday payday by developing a product or building a profitable program. With a passion for women and pizzazz for entrepreneurship, Coriel authored two self-development books for women, Work One-on-One, Get Your Life Together Guide, and her sophomore project with Share Success Secrets for Fearless Female Entrepreneurs, hosts a weekly podcast show entitled Confessions of a Workaholic, and creates tribe-building travel experiences for women through her Busy at the Beach brand. She's an international speaker, award-winning entrepreneur, and educator who's been featured nationally by Forbes, Essence Magazine, The Huffington Post, The Tom Joyner Morning Show, XO Nicole, Rolling Out, NBC, TV One, VH1, Bravo TV, and more for her empowerment projects. She honestly has done it all and is on a mission to help women uncover their purpose, prioritize their life, and profit from their passions. Her motto is, you already have everything you need to get everything you want, you just have to work for it. And that is so true, Coriel. So can you tell us a little bit about you, like your background, where you grow up, any obstacles you faced growing up? So I'm from Chicago. I grew up outside um, in the suburbs of Chicago um, and attended Tennessee State University. And then after college, I moved to Atlanta, where I taught um, as a classroom teacher, second and third grade for four years. And then from there is where I kind of branched off and started um, on my journey of entrepreneurship. So at what point did you realize you wanted to be an entrepreneur? The classroom just wasn't for you, like the getting up nine to five, it just wasn't your thing. It wasn't even, I didn't even make it the first year, um, the entire year without realizing that there had to be something more because I realized that as an educator, my salary was going to be determined by the number of years that I had held my degree. So it didn't matter how good I did. It didn't matter how much I loved to teach. It didn't matter, you know, if I stayed late, if I got there early, my salary was not going to change until, you know, another year rolled around and there was no raise. There were no bonuses. There was nothing to reward me for the work that I was putting in. And that just didn't sit right with me. And so it was in that very first year that I knew that something had to change. I just didn't really know what my options were or what I could do. But um, it definitely, you know, it, it didn't take me long to realize that full-time employment wasn't for me wow so once you realize that how long did it actually take you to exit the classroom so I taught for four years um so I, I held I stuck in there uh, for four full years before I gave it up 
So what business were, were you running at the time? Which one was successful that caused you to give up teaching, to cause you to give up that $32,000 salary? None of them. Um, I actually stopped teaching in 2011 after I ended an engagement and gave up my teaching degree in Atlanta and was literally going to go teach um, overseas. And then when I decided not to go, um, because I had already given up my teaching job, I had to figure out, you know, kind of what I wanted to do next. And so what I decided to do was take my last teaching paycheck um, and went to bartending school, figured mm -hmm. that, you know, this was a skill worth investing in. And literally, um, after I became a bartender, I ended up making more working part-time as a bartender than I did working full-time as a teacher. And it was really? the bartending job that actually um, allowed me the free time to be able to build my business. That's so amazing. And doing half the work, probably having more fun bartending, not saying that teaching wasn't fun, but just saying, but to make more than what you were bringing in monthly as a teacher is so amazing. So did you have people telling you that you needed to go back to teaching, you know, building a business? You really don't need to do that. You need to have a safety net. Did you ever deal with that? Definitely. Anytime you are um, going to make an uncomfortable change, the people around you, the people closest to you, the people who care about you the most are going to be the ones that want you to stay safe. So they're going to try to talk you out of doing those risky things, those things that are unsure or unsafe. So I definitely had people that thought I was absolutely crazy for wanting to give up this good, safe <laughs> job, give up these the retirement, summers off. The benefits. Yeah, all of those things that people thought, you know, were worth me staying in there. There's definitely all of those people in my ear trying to sway me or trying to convince me to do things differently. You're always going to deal with those people because everybody's not going to be ready for your evolution, um, mm -hmm. typically when they're not ready for their own. Wow. So amazing. So what did you do to kind of get around that? Did you like just mentally block these people out? Did you cut off these people that were in your ear telling you these things? How did you really go about it? It really came down to me developing my own voice by figuring out what I really wanted because we always have that voice in the back of our head. It's either going to be your own subconscious, um, subconscious, or it's going to be, you know, the people around you. It's going to be like echoes of the things that they've told you. So when you figure out how to develop your own voice, how to really figure out what you want and what your definition of success is and, you know, what you are working toward, it's easier to shut out the noise from all of the other people. Nice. So kind of the vision of So Lux Life is to enhance the mental, physical and spiritual luxuries in life. And I don't just look at luxuries as like money, but more so like helping people and doing something that's going to be beneficial to society and people that are coming up behind me. So what's one thing that kind of inspires you as an entrepreneur? The thing that inspires me the most is leaving a legacy, is creating something that lasts beyond um, my lifetime, really making an impact. And I think the biggest way to impact people is to create something that, you know, um, benefits and add value, adds value for years and for generations to come. So that is really what inspires me, even though I'm not sure still what that thing is going to be, you know, what my legacy looks like. It inspires me to know that that's what I'm working toward. Wow, amazing. So, WordPress Slay, I'm so interested in this and it's so, 
I have a thing for women empowerment. Like, I'm a woman. I'm a single mom. I've been married, going through divorce, like this, the whole nine. So I'm all for women empowerment sticking together because I know how hard it can be. So what what was the vision behind Work, Pray, Slay? So um, in 2011, I started a support group for single women called the Single Wives Club. And each year, um, starting in 2012, we hosted Single Wives Weekend as like our annual meetup for um, members. And so about two, three years in, I realized that the programming, the information, the resources that we were sharing were not just beneficial for single women. They're really beneficial for all women. And so um, we transitioned from Single Wives Weekend to Work Price Play Weekend in 2015 um, as a way to be able to reach all women um, and encourage them to work, which is dedicating your life to your dreams, pray, mm-hmm. which is grounding yourself in faith, and then slay, which is celebrating your success. I believe, you know, in order to live a healthy, happy, well-balanced life, you have to do all of those things. You have to be willing to work for what you want. You have to keep your faith um, in the forefront and, and, you know, pray about it. And then you also have to be willing to celebrate yourself along the way. Wow, that is so true. And that's kind of where that spiritual aspect plays a role because you have to have like a crazy type of faith out here to make it because people will try to discourage you and things won't go as planned. And I remember listening to something. It might have been like a video clip on Facebook or something where you were speaking at an event and you mentioned how you started like five businesses until you got one that really took off. So can you kind of walk us through the businesses you had and what kept you going? What what kept you motivated to keep starting businesses, although the first one didn't work out? Yeah, so the Single Wives Club was that business. That was business number five. Prior to that, I had started um, an online jewelry boutique where I was hand-making every single product. I had um, a travel business years before I ended up developing a successful travel business. I had a party planning business. I have a... um, a license to do nails, as random as that is. So I had a nail tech business. Okay. I, I, I had started all of these things just really, you know, and I don't regret any of it because every experience taught me something about myself and it yes. taught me, you know, something about business. Whether or not those businesses worked out or not, they definitely taught me something because they were all very different. Um, but what kept me going is that all of those businesses were based on something that I was actually passionate about. So I was enjoying the things that I was doing. So even when it didn't work out um you know i appreciated the the time that i had mm-hmm. you know in those in those businesses and i always used that to kind of fuel me for the next thing so i never had like a bad taste in my mouth about business or about entrepreneurship i just always knew i had to keep trying until i you know figured out what what worked what worked for you and that goes to show because some people get so wrapped up in what the next person is doing and if it's not really working out for them they have to realize that what's for you is for you. Your audience is your audience. Your clientele is yours. Because some people think, oh, I can't open a boutique. The market is too oversaturated. What do you say to somebody that has that mindset that feels like what they're trying to do is already so many people doing it that there's no way that they will be successful with so much competition out there? Um, I say that nobody can do it like you do it. There is nobody out here that is capable of doing things the way that you have been created to do them. Even though there are a million and one people who may be 
offering what you're offering it, uh, what, what you're offering, that does not mean they're offering it in the way that you're offering it um, and, and are capable of doing the things that you are able um, to do in your own way. So I think when you build a business based off your passion, based off your story, based off of your own life experiences, that's a way to guarantee that it's unique and it can't be, you know, it can't be duplicated because it's literally based off of you um, and what's unique about you. So making sure you infuse your own unique story into whatever you're doing is how I feel like you can separate yourself even in a saturated market. Wow, I'm over here taking notes. Because <laughs> I'm trying to work my way up there. And before you mentioned like having like a well-balanced life and like your mind, your mental, physically all together, do you have like a set routine? Do you have like a morning routine or like a daily routine to where you do something every day that really helps you to get to where you want to be? So I don't necessarily have a routine where, you know, I wake up at this time, I do this specific thing. I, my life is so unpredictable and I'm literally <laughs> in a different city sometimes every week. So um, I don't have a dedicated routine uh, like I wish I did. But there are definitely certain things I do um, daily, uh, you know, as in meditating and reading. I have a, um, a God is my CEO journal that, you know, mm -hmm. has really kind of helped me to structure my life and keep my faith um, in the forefront. So there's definitely things like that that I do on a daily basis, but I don't have a super strict routine that I follow. Right, like to get up at six, work out, do this, do that. But do you work out? Just a random question. Sporadically. <laughs> So absolutely. So what do you do to kind of keep your mind saying, keep your businesses in line and not get so overwhelmed about what's going on in your day to day activity? You mentioned that you travel almost every week and that's got to be tiring sometimes. So what do you do to kind of relax and just focus and bring everything back together? Um, I try to prioritize as best as possible instead of uh, feeling like I have to try to balance. Um, I think that that is kind of an unrealistic expectation to put on yourself. So I try to make sure that I know everything that needs to be done and then I am mapping out time or setting aside, setting aside time to do, you know, each of those things. Um, and that's what kind of keeps me from getting overwhelmed. But I definitely am blessed to be able to do things that I actually enjoy doing. So yes. um, I don't find myself being overwhelmed or stressed out or feeling like, you know, I need a vacation necessarily because I've built businesses based on things that I'm actually interested in. So all of it is you know, exciting to see my ideas come to life or to see the things, you know, that I thought of actually come into fruition. So I don't ever feel like, you know, I, I need a, a day off. <laughs> so what would you say to someone? They're kind of in that waiting period. Like it's not their time yet. They're working towards success, but they haven't really found their niche or they haven't really found that thing that takes off. What is something you would say for them to do to keep the faith and kind of be encouraged? Um, I would say that if, if you are a person of faith um, and if you believe in God and if you don't, you can insert God with something else. But I just used to always tell myself that I'm not the one person that God forgot about. Like, there's no way that God is out here <laughs> blessing all of these people. Right. All these people living their best life and you want me to believe that I'm just the one that's not supposed to. I refuse to believe that. So I always told myself when, when it's my time, it'll be my time. You can't yeah. rush it. You know, when you try to rush it, it's never right. So 
that is my biggest advice is just to keep trying, um, you know, keep keep going until you figure out what is for you. Don't let the things that aren't for you distract you from going after the things that are. Wow. And that kind of goes back to a mindset like you put that in your head, like I'm not the one that God forgot about. How important would you say your your mental state is when it when it comes to being an entrepreneur and starting your own business? It's everything, um, because on one side, you know, as an entrepreneur, we don't get mental health days. We don't get a day off. If you have a client that's expecting something, if you have a deadline, nobody cares about, you know, what you're going through, what you feel like, what you look like. You have to do what you have to do. So um, you have to definitely take your mental health seriously and make it a priority. But it's also important in the sense of just being um, successful because, you know, there's plenty of people out here who look successful, but, mm -hmm. you know, are contemplating suicide or going through depression and doing all of these things because they they haven't focused on mental health as they've looked at like their financial health or the right. health of their business. They haven't prioritized, um, you know, just just themselves. So I think it's super important to build in self care, and that's why I think you know that your business should be based on something that you, even if it's not something super fun or exciting, it should at least be something that you care about. It should at least be something that you know drives you or moves you or motivates you to want to get it done. Um, so that you aren't stressing yourself out and doing a bunch of um, a bunch of things that that don't at least fulfill you. Right. Wow, I love that. So, do you feel like all of your experiences, like even in your personal life, do you think they contributed to where you are now, or is there like some things you went through that you really just could have done without, like that experience just? It didn't heal me to where I am today, or do you feel like everything you go through, you go through it for a reason, no matter how hurtful it is or how disappointing it is? I definitely think you go through everything for a reason. Even the things that you still to this day cannot figure out why you had to go through them, one day it'll make sense. Every I mean, I can think about so many times where, you know, I've thought, okay, this is why I had to do that to prepare for this. Or I'm so glad I was able to learn this back then, you know, when the stakes were a little lower than having to learn that lesson today when I have, you know, X, Y, and Z to lose. Or I'm glad there's a lot of lessons that I learned before Instagram came around. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I learned those business lessons, you know, before the gram so that, you know, those struggle days, my struggle days weren't on Instagram. You know, thank <laughs> God my struggle was before the gram was around. <laughs> um, when things were just a little harder, a little different, you know, to have a business before social media was what it is today. So um, there's definitely lessons that, you know, a lot of them were hard. A lot of them were painful, but they were all definitely um, necessary. That's so true. So regarding like the whole Instagram and social media thing, how important do you feel like social media is to your business? I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think that um, it is like the end all be all. I don't think that it is <laughs> the most important thing in the world, but I definitely think that you are missing out on money if you don't at least have some type of, um, of presence on social media because it's literally an opportunity for you to reach people around the entire world, you know, around the clock. And so just being able to access um, your ideal customer in several countries is 
is priceless, especially when you can do it for, you know, next to nothing. So right. with, um, you know, like I was saying, I started my businesses before social media when, you know, we had street teams, when you would pay people to go out and put flyers on cars for you, you know, like it, marketing was different back then. So if you are not taking advantage of the free, you know, mm-hmm. sitting in the comfort of your own home, posting on social media, you know, you are definitely missing out on easy money as compared to you know the the footwork that you had to put in back in the day right so do you think even today we should still incorporate that footwork into what we're doing now although social media is so prevalent so i was at a uh, conference the other day and one of the women on the panel has over a million followers and she was talking about and a multi-million dollar business and she was talking about the fact that she still does um like mailers she still sends out um, promotional materials in the mail, snail mail to people based on their zip code, you know, figuring out who her market is uh-huh. and sending those things out in the mail. And that is someone with a million followers on Instagram who still realizes that you can't rely on that for everything. So I definitely think those um, traditional methods are necessary because we don't know what Instagram is going to look like tomorrow, if it's going to be around tomorrow. And so if you're building your entire business based on, you know, just what you can do with Instagram, then I think you're, or any social media network, then I think you're going to be missing out. So true, definitely. So what are like some other marketing tips outside of social media? We have the street teams, we can hand out flyers, put things on cars. Um, what other methods would you say to like a young woman that may be trying to build a nonprofit and help other women? What would you say to her to really help her get her message and her platform out there? Um, the biggest, another big marketing strategy I would say is this one, podcasts, um, being a part of other people's um, conversations so that you can get in front of their audience. That's one way to market yourself, to talk about your mission, to share your message, to show yourself as an expert. So I would definitely say if you're looking for ways to just diversify your marketing outside of social media, consider podcasts. Um, 